lot of times, even as adults, we have a lot of misconceptions ourselves about religious life. But for the parents, they also need to be able to have their questions answered and to really be at peace that this is still a beautiful option for my child. And God is still calling people in the 21st century to the consecrated life. Hello and welcome to the Catholic Homeschool Podcast. My name is Paula Siskanik and I am your host. And today I am thrilled to pieces to have an introduction to you. And, and we were just chatting away with our little New York connection here of Mother Claire Mathias. And um, before we get started, I want to just say, ask you guys, you know, we have little kids at home. And it's getting harder and harder every day to actually meet religious, isn't it? In this particular case, you're going to get to meet one firsthand. And we're going to talk about discernment and the ability for us to introduce the beautiful, beautiful gift of the religious life. So without further ado, hello, sister. How I mean, mother, Mother Claire. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a real pleasure. Oh, so good. You're joining us from New York, aren't you? I am. I'm in East Harlem at Our Lady Queen of Angels Convent. Sweet. So let's get this bio out of the way. And then I want your own personal story. So for those of you who do not know Mother Claire, she is the General Servant Superior of the Franciscan Sisters of the Renewal and author of the popular book, Discerning Religious Life, as well as the Avow Small Discussion Group Program. Mother Claire was born in Germany and spent her childhood moving from base to base with her family as her father was serving in the U.S. military. She attended Franciscan University in Steubenville, yeah, like so many homeschool families here, where she studied theology and history. Mother Claire has been a member of the Franciscan Sisters of the Renewal since 1998, the twofold apostolic mission of the community is hands-on work with the poor and evangelization. Mother Claire has served the past as formation director for candidates and postulants, community vicar, and vocation directress. She lives at Our Lady Queen of Angels Convent in East Harlem, which you just told us, and the CFR sisters currently have three convents in New York City, missions in Leeds, England, Drogheda, Ireland, and most recently, Atlantic City, New Jersey. Well, welcome, Mother Claire. It is so Thank you. you. Yeah. So I, I'd love to first by start by, well, tell us your story. Where did it begin? And, and how did you become, you know, one, and especially uh, this particular order? So let's go through that. Mm-hmm, sure. Well, I was raised in a very devout Catholic home, and I thank God for that. My parents um, raised us to really love our faith and um, certainly Sunday Mass and, you know, the basic prayers, etc. However, I did not go to Catholic school, nor was I homeschooled. So I went to a public, uh, I went to public school and I really didn't know anything about religious life until going away to college at Franciscan University. And I also didn't have a very clear sense 
about pursuing God's will for my life, the, the idea of a vocation. Now, I, my parents probably did tell me that and I just didn't retain it. But by the time I got to college, that idea was dawning on me that God actually has a dream for us. You know, he has a vocation in mind for us. And that revolutionized my thinking. And it was a little alarming to think, wait a minute, I've been making a plan for myself. And yet now I find out God has a plan. What if these two things don't go together? You know, and that's where kind of the nature of discernment it, it comes in. And so uh, I, I was on the one hand encountering religious for the first time for the very first time and realizing that God had a plan for my life. And so I'm thinking, Oh my goodness, what if his plan is that? And I really had to grapple with discerning religious life. And it was a long, hard struggle. I will admit that. And my previous book, discerning religious life is about the struggle of discernment and how to make it a lot easier for people. It doesn't have to be so hard, you know? <laughs> so the new project is for children and it addresses the, the question of, you know, seeing religious earlier in life is only going to make it easier. Experiencing something of the wonder of religious life at a younger age will only make that process easier. But initially for me, it was just trying to figure out, you know, what is this thing, religious life? And uh, how do I really discern God's will and not just make an arbitrary choice? So when you went to Franciscan, was that a you know deliberate choice? I would say in the sense that um, you know what was the plan when you went in? Because we do have a lot of homeschoolers who homeschool through high school, you know, and we do run this like discernment time in October uh, to help teenagers. And so I know we're going to talk about the little kids book in a minute, but I wanted to talk about like you as a teenager, you know, what were some of the things you were thinking about? How'd you pick Franciscan and, and, you know, would you go into college thinking? Yeah. Great question. Well, I, you know, I had a wonderful youth group experience uh, as a teenager um, and now with the military, I, you grew up moving around quite a bit. So when I was living in the States at Fort Campbell, in Fort Campbell, Kentucky, there was actually a Catholic youth group that affected me deeply. So even though my parents were Catholic and I was raised in the faith, it was the experience of this youth group that enabled me to begin to make my faith my own. And I really came to a decisive choice about my Catholicism then. And that was at the age of 14. And I really started to pray at that point. So I began a prayer life, reading my scriptures, having a personal prayer time every day at a relatively young age. I mean, at 14, I mean, some, um, and that was a real blessing. But quickly we moved from there to um, a base overseas in Germany once again. And the Catholic youth ministry was not as vibrant there, but the evangelical youth ministry was very, very vibrant. And so I did attend that and to keep up kind of my um, having a, a group of peers that were like-minded and into the scriptures and even into evangelization and that sort of thing. But again, not going to Catholic school, I had no real experience of being surrounded by Catholics. So when I was done with high school, as much as I loved my evangelical youth group and my evangelical friends, I wanted something Catholic. I knew Jesus was in the Eucharist and I wanted to be surrounded by something really Catholic. Now here I am in Germany and trying to figure out where to go to school in the States. And I didn't know one person who had gone to Franciscan. So I didn't really have the acclaim of what a wonderful Francis, what a wonderful Catholic institution it is. I just took a hunch and 
wound up there and was amazed at how dynamic and faith-filled and how the Eucharist is practically in every building and the Eucharistic adoration and the daily mass. So I was flabbergasted by that because I had not experienced anything like that up to that point. We so immersed in a Catholic culture. So I really just went, I wanted that. I wanted to, you know, just to pursue my education, to figure out what I was going to do. I had no dreams, like I said, of becoming a religious. I thought I would serve the church in some way, either as a missionary my kind of my own personal plan was I wanted to be a missionary that way you can get married and have children and really serve in a very radical way at the same time. So I had concocted a really wonderful plan for myself. And uh, of course that was before realizing that God really cares and makes us with a specific purpose in mind. Yeah. I, you know, there's several things that stand out, about what you said, one was, I think we, we underestimate uh, a teenager's heart. I think that, you know, you had a heart and a desire to want to do something noble. And, you know, we even just without, you know, doing it on purpose, you know, in some ways at 14. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things, again, encouraging families to understand they have to at 14 start beginning their own spiritual journey and making it personal because we can do, as you said, you're raised with your family. And then the second thing was Eucharist. You know, uh, there are a lot of families who do not have, like you said, youth groups or support groups or homeschool groups. And our evangelical sisters and brothers are, are beautiful. You know, in some ways they help to foster that vacation for you, but you were still hungry for the true presence. And, yeah. and Really and what a gift that is. And I recognize that as a tremendous grace from God. You know, I really do because I cannot take that for granted that I had the gift of faith and really believing that Jesus was present. And even though I have to admit, my parents were a little nervous when they saw me constantly going to the evangelical groups and they thought, oh my goodness, is she leaving the church? Is she leaving the faith? Are the evangelicals getting her kind of thing? And it wasn't true. I, I respect, uh, you know, our Protestant brother, brothers and sisters very, very much. And it and it made it my whole base of real deep friendships. And I gained so much, but I did know that Jesus was in the sacraments. And so that is a gift from God. I thank God for that. And so I was never in danger at that point in losing my faith, but I was hungry. And I, and I think you make a very fine point that young people have a capacity for prayer and have deep desires, you know, and, um, and God is really very much at work. And uh, I could say that now I can look back and just see how he was leading you know, in a way that I could not have really, I couldn't see at the time so clearly as I can now. Personally. Yeah. I mean, just even you saying on a hunch, you went to Steubenville and again, there you encountered your first religious. So what was that like, that experience of really meeting and speaking with, you know, they're not, they're like human beings. <laughs> they're <Yeah>. approachable. <laughs> Well, honestly, you know, I, in seeing them from afar, you know, the campus is run by Franciscan friars and Father Mike Scanlon was still the president at the time. And he was such a dynamic example of a person totally in love with the Lord and a real evangelist. So I was, I was, um, I admired them, but I admired them from afar. I wasn't about to go up and strike up a conversation with a sister. No way. Because I was, the, the struggle for me was still very much interior and I wasn't yet ready to bring it to the outside, to the light and to admit to anyone that I was thinking about this. So it was still very much an interior struggle and I kept it interior for a very long time. And that's one thing I would recommend if there are any young listeners, 
to, to not wait so long as I did. If there's somebody that you trust that you can speak with about grappling with a vocational question, boy, does that help? You know, it only helps to bring your questions to light, your fears to light, your maybe misconceptions or whatever it may be. Uh, it can only help. I kept all of that very, very much inside. I watched them from afar, but wasn't about to go up and strike up a conversation for quite some time. Yeah. So I know that, um, you know, it's true. One of the things in our, you know, again, our little parishes, schools and this and that more and more, uh, you know, even when we're talking 20 plus years ago, the last religious left there, there is very little, um, you know, opportunity for even just in your daily life to be able to go um, and meet. Of course, you have your priest. And, and right now, this summer, we have a, a seminarian with our parish. So it's really delightful. What would you say as far as for families? And then, and then I'd love for us to talk about your book in particular, for families to engage and encourage that exposure for them to meet religious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that can be challenging. What are, what are some of the places people can meet religious if you do not have religious in your you know, in your diocese or in your parish. And that's kind of where the different materials I've written, that's where it comes from that we, because we can't manufacture that connection. However, you can kind of open a window and expose, you know, something of the life to people. And, and it's important to do it that way. I think when a young woman is grappling with these questions, she doesn't want a spotlight shown on her and she may not even want to meet the person right away, but she does want to sit in the privacy of a room with her door shut, with maybe not even her parents knowing it, and reading a book like Discerning Religious Life that will answer all of her questions in the privacy of her own bedroom. And then when she's ready, she could go to a place like Franciscan, like their summer um, conferences. There are a lot of religious there. Some of the um, you know the Youth Two Thousand retreats across the country. There'll be religious represented at those locations as well. And then, you know, she could even just take a real risk and pick up the phone and call a vocation director from a community. You know, that's not a commitment to do that, but you can ask your questions of a live person and wow, how valuable that is, you know, yeah. and, and vocation directors welcome calls like that. Well, I know one of the things for my daughters would do is um, we have the, uh, you know, the little sisters of the poor near us. And it was just, they would help, you know, with um, fundraisers, but they sometimes would just go and sit with the elderly. And in that process, of course, you're exposed to the religious that are running that. So just the ability to volunteer and to be around them is, is, is I know, a way that our family, as I said, we didn't have them in our parish, but we looked yeah. to the outside of what's being run in the different areas and yes. uh, sisters of the poor were really the only order that we had any exposure to. Yeah. That's great. And I know, um, so let's talk about your book because I've read it. It's so delightful. As I said, I mentioned before that you and I are both in New York and I loved how both of us had this like flip of vocations. You know, I grew up in New York city I was, you know, a chemical engineer in my former life and then was called to marriage and the family and came to my vocation. So let's talk a little bit how you ended up in the Bronx <laughs> and your book in particular. Yes, gladly. Well, let me just hold it up and just show your audience there. Beautiful. Uh, so because of my own experience and the experience really of all of my sisters in the convent here with me, none of us encountered religious sisters as children. 
And I would venture to say that most Catholic children at this point have never seen a sister in the flesh. And because of that, I've always had this, this kind of burning desire to help young people in their journey of discernment, in part because my own journey was so difficult. But I also now know the joy and the just the bliss of being in God's will. And when you discover what God wants for you and you realize he just wants our happiness and our joy, you really want to help other people get there to not just create a plan for their life, but to, to, to arrive at God's will. And so the book, um, yes, the book so series the title, the Un- unsolvable problem, Yeah, the unsolvable <laughs> problem. And it's a series, little convent in the big city. And the idea is to create a character who just so happens to be a sister, you know, an adorable character with her convent of nuns and some of the adventures that go on in their life in New York City so that children can be exposed to the beauty and the wonder and the adventure and the differentness of religious life in a way they may not ever be able to be exposed to it in a different way. And so it's a kind of a whimsical and fun project, but not without depth. You know, right. not without depth, because it's, it's real, it's authentic to religious life. And at the same time, it isn't a sit down and discern your vocation, seven-year-old kind of book. It doesn't have that kind of intensity to it. It's a, it's a kind of a playful um, and fun story, but very real, you know, very, very real based on reality. Yeah. Show him the pictures, like the one of sisters sitting in, you know, what a convent house is. So like even just describing the day, if you could flip through some of those pictures. Sure. Awesome. Yeah. For some art is just beautiful. This is Michael Corsini, a wonderfully talented Catholic artist that I worked with on this. And you can go to littleconvent.com to see more of the art and the story and the mission behind the book. But just the other day on the street, a boy came up to us, a sisters were outside, and he said, Did you write the book to another sister? And she said, uh, No, but I can introduce you to the sister that did write the book. And I was so stunned, and I said, did you read it? This is a nine-year-old boy. And he said, yes, I read it. And I said, did you like it? And he said, I loved it. And I said, well, what did you like about it? And he said, I love that you showed us the convent. And this is a boy from our East Harlem neighborhood that walks by the convent all the day, every day. You know, he knows us, he knows us and he knows the convent well enough, but he saw inside the convent, he saw the chapel, he saw the bell ringing, he saw the sisters going to prayer and he saw how to make a root beer float too. Yes. The root beer floats really shows you that there's some fun involved, yep. you know, as well. So there was the root beer float. Oh, one. Yep. Yep. It's so beautiful. So, it's a lot can- of fun. Yeah, the whole idea of him wanting to, you know, you've opened the doors to that. You, exactly. You And you can see immediately his reaction is joy. Because that's yes, what exactly. the, the book does exude that joy. But it, it it's presenting, as you said, not in like a, you know, I think it's age appropriate. And so, you know, um, it is something that you would encourage families to read aloud to their children. Or he's a nine-year-old, read it to himself, perhaps, or something. What... Mm-hmm. What are some of the interesting ways that we can use the book? I know you mentioned to me something about how some parishes, um, and I'd love to see even some homeschool groups take the book as well and bring it to their communities, to their parishes. So, 
Absolutely. Well, we are really excited about the Sponsor a Classroom program because, again, the idea is bigger than a book. It's a mission to get Catholic children connected to the religious life, to see it, to experience it, to meet a sister through Sister Mary Andy, the main character. So we're really encouraging people, especially people who say things like, oh, if only my grandkids could have been taught by sisters, or if only there were still sisters in the Catholic schools, and we would lament this. But a way to do something is to adopt a classroom and get the book in the hands of Catholic children in places where they will never meet sisters. Um, but for homeschool groups and for parishes, you know, um, having a, a, like a reading session where um, a, a parent can certainly do this, but if you know a religious sister, or you can even extend an invitation, you know, for sisters to come in from the outside and do a reading of the book, even a sister from a different community, and um, engage the children with Q&A. One place I know of in Kansas is doing a mother-daughter a brunch, and they're flying out a sister to do a reading of the book for the mothers and the daughters. And it's a way for them to open up the question of discernment and vocation in a very, in a lovely setting with a lovely meal and kind of like a tea and they'll be dressed up and to really make an event out of it. And then each mother and daughter combination will receive the book as a gift at the event as a party prize. So just creative ideas, you know, to again, open up the question of religious life in a non-threatening and very beautiful uh, way. Yeah. And it seems like a very natural way to, you know what I mean? It isn't something. And that's, that's, as I said, you know, there's, they have these young hearts. I like to say when they're young, they're so, you know, recently heaven sent that they just have this beautiful joy for the Lord. And to be able to foster that through your book is just a beautiful mission. Uh, Already you got my wheels turning. There's a way we probably could do something where you'll come back to our community and maybe we can do a recording of you reading the book and then the homeschool groups can use that. But as you said, being able to invite, it's it's just a, a great way to promote uh, vocations, even just the experience of meeting a sister. So where again, I, I don't want to lose this. And I know that we will put the details below this podcast, this video, people will see that, but how can people, um, be able to reach you and to be able to get a hold of the book and the mission? Yes. So it's very simple, just littleconvent.com. And at littleconvent.com, it's very simple to, you can see the story of the the mission itself to get children in touch with religious. You can kind of see the art of the book and, the, and a little bit about um, the, the mission itself and then how to sponsor a classroom. So if people are excited about this and want to do something like this, so, so simple, you just say, I want to sponsor a classroom or a religious ed program or a parish and Viani vocations will take care of the rest. They will contact the school or the parish and find out exactly how many children that is. And they'll, they'll do all the logistics. It's very, very, very simple. So that's at littleconvent.com. And so Viani Vocations, you mentioned, they themselves, they are, uh, maybe you can describe a little bit for our audience who doesn't know about Viani Vocations. And who is Viani? Maybe just a little bit about that. <laughs> sure. So of course, St. John Viani is the famous uh, parish priest who, um, is the patron of parish priests and Vianney vocations is um, is a wonderful ministry in the church to promote priestly vocations and vocations to religious life through really wonderful materials and books and they're the publisher of the book and they're helping sponsor this mission of getting children in touch with the beauty of religious life through um, children's books so 
Are we going to see more children's books then from, do you have more ideas, mother? I sure do. This is going to be a whole series. So this is the pilot of a whole series so that um, children will be able to get all different aspects and elements of the religious life and just, and again, the, the adventures of it. And there's so much to learn. For example, in this one story, it revolves around the 4th of July. So it's kind of, there's a patriotic theme there's a Eucharistic adoration theme. There's a theme about personal prayer uh, in it as well. So it isn't just, just the religious life and nothing else. There are layers and layers of themes. And the Eucharist is actually a very strong theme in the book. And each book will be like that, of course, layers of themes and just exposing the children to different elements of religious life and Catholic life. Oh, beautiful. So is there a way for people to help support the mission at all as well? Absolutely. You know, going on to um, littleconvent.com would be the way. And uh, there's a a place where you can leave a note or a message. So if there's a question or ideas or a a greater desire to get involved, it would all be right there at littleconvent.com. Beautiful. Well, I just, I know you've probably already inspired many people to go to the website immediately. I really want to encourage our audience to get a copy of the book because it really is beautiful. It's, it's delightful, but as you said, it's so real. It's, it's something that's just um, a child can immediately, I think, immerse themselves in the story and feel it right away. And, and that, thank you. Mother Claire for that, you know, because it is your story and, and that's compelling. And we do learn by stories, don't we? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. There's been such a wonderful response to this. It's actually been very surprising to me that the strength of the response and just how delighted people are and enthusiastic. And so many people have said things like, this is what we need. This is what we've been waiting for. So it's just marvelous. And um, so, yes, I love the idea of us working together with the homeschool families, the Catholic school community. I mean, all of us together, because that's what the church is, you know, as the body of Christ. Yeah. I'd so love it. I know the whole, but all of this and about this discernment is the whole idea that it isn't going to necessarily come like a thunderbolt or just this big sign drop from the sky. It is a process. And it's, we have, yep. and, and you're showing us that process in, in so many levels and, and really just starting from the ground up. So final words, anything you'd like to share with us for families in terms of their ability to help foster vocations in their children? Yes. Well, you know, the, the story, the, the unsolvable problem here really is for, for moms and dads and the whole family, because, you know, a lot of times, even as adults, we have a lot of misconceptions ourselves about religious life. And a lot of parents struggle to be able to encourage their children in this way. And so I think that the edu- you know, you're right, there are so many layers. And for the children, it's simply just exposing them to religious life. But for the parents, they also need to be able to have their questions answered and to really be at peace that this is still a beautiful option for my child and a holy option. And God is still calling people in the 21st century to the consecrated life. And so parents need to know that and to be supported so that they can support their children. And we want to help with that, too. So it's important. Yes, it is super important because it is, I think, ultimately, and I, I know so much of the vision of parents is we feel they're on loan for us for a little while, but God has planted a mission. He's called us all, parents and then 
our children in turn. So again, thank you, Mother Claire. Uh, the website is littleconvent.com. Uh, please support the book, the mission, get it in your parishes. Um, we we maybe will do something. You'd be happy to come again, sister, maybe read right. the book. That would be so absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> absolutely. I'd be delighted to come. Be delighted. Yay, to come. yay, so wonderful. Together. Yes. Good, good, good. So excited for that as well. So again, thank you. And remember, join us in the Catholic homeschoolcommunity.com, catholichomeschoolcommunity.com. That's where you'll find all the resources. You'll find local groups. You'll find uh, the copies of this podcast. And also you can subscribe to our YouTube channel so that we can get this beautiful information out to more families. Thank you. And may God bless you abundantly. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, Mother. Bye-bye. Thank you, too. God bless. Bye. Thank you so much for watching. If you enjoyed this video, please consider liking it and subscribing to our YouTube channel. You can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Thank you, and have a blessed day.